ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. My name is Shad. I'm joined by Matt and Brad tonight. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. We are coming at you today. <clears throat> this, uh, this episode is coming out at the end of November. So we have something that we feel is rather appropriate for it. But first, we've got... We want to... We want to get the word out. We want our want the people listening to our show. <clears throat> We'd like to hear from you guys on our social media accounts, and we have a few of them. Um, so we'll we'll start with. I don't know. I I guess it's the biggest one, maybe. But it's on Facebook, though. Well, what what's the stats on that one, Brad? Is it, I'm sorry, I was totally spaced out. <laughs> Facebook. Oh. Uh, four Corners Podcast, that is the number four. Corners is one word, podcast. Give us a like, uh, comment, you know the drill. Sure thing. <clears throat> so, um, that also means, the, the, the platform we're probably the most active on is Twitter. So, what's the information on that one, uh, Matt? That would, we would, we're on the Twitters. Uh, we would be <laughs> at, at Podcast Four Corners, and that is the capital letter P. That is the number four, Podcast Four Corners. And we would love to hear from you guys. Yes, we are active on Twitter. Um, occasionally, I try to live tweet events. Um, hopefully, we can do that a little bit more in the future. So, love to get uh, live impressions from people as uh, we're all watching the pay per views. <clears throat> and uh, we're also on Instagram. Instagram doesn't let you put spaces in your name, so it is the number four corners podcast. Um, try to get stuff posted on that whenever we release a new episode, and you know, hopefully, get that a little bit more active as uh, as we move along. <clears throat> and if you're not a social media person, that's okay too, because uh, we do have an email. That's right. You can email us at pit. Podcast 25 at gmail.com Now, um, other things to get out there. We do have our um, upcoming partnership. We, we're waiting on the paperwork to clear right now with Collar and Elbow. Uh, Collar and Elbow is gear made for wrestlers and wrestling fans by wrestlers and wrestling fans. Um, whenever we get our paperwork done, we'll have discount codes for you. But for now, um, check them out. They have the they drop new designs uh, every three months, and they have all kinds of different stuff going right now. Um, so you know, check them out, see what they've got. They make quality uh, quality gear, comfortable shirts, good printing, good people. Um, you should absolutely check them out. So. It's there's all kinds of different options they have. Um, let's see, they've got a, a as as it turned out, the founder and president is actually none other than Mr. Al Snow. So um, I think he knows a little bit about the wrestlings, and uh, you know, check them out. They've got they've got good stuff there. I think uh, Matt, you were talking about the um, talking about a, a shirt they had that was interesting for you yeah that was their flannel shirt which uh is has been out of stock uh, uh, i do love i do love a good flannel and it is getting into the winter so a nice warm true. collar and elbow themed flannel would be absolutely fantastic 
Yeah. So but if uh, even though that product is out of stock, there are plenty of other products that are out there on their website for purchase. So that would be uh, there's a lot of fine gifts that uh, people might want to uh, get for the holidays. Holidays yeah. coming up. I like the doctor shirt they have on there. Mm-hmm. The which one? The doctor one. It's like the luchador mask on white. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, they've got lots of different options. So, yeah, check them out. Um, And like I said, they drop new stuff all the time. And so, that leads us to our last shout-out. It's a shout-out that... um, that we do because it's it's so very important to us. It's been with us since the beginning. It has a dear place in our heart. And and we know who that's to, don't we? Don't we, Matt? Yeah, that would be to Epico Cologne. I hope Epico had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Um, and I hope he's looking forward to Christmas. But before <laughs> we enter the Christmas season, I hope he remembers November. <laughs> oh, I was that for some a foreshadowing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Tonight, for the this coming out the last week of uh, November, that means that we're going to be talking about uh, a November to Remember uh, show. You know what the uh, the crazy thing is? We've we've talked a lot about uh, different stuff on the show, and one thing that we haven't touched on was much of ECW in its heyday. So. Here we are, ECW in its heyday. Um, this is actually going to be November to remember 1998. So if you feel froggy, uh, check that one out. Go uh, look that up, and you can follow along with us. Um, why did we pick this particular one? That's a good question, isn't it? What do you what do you what answer do you want to give them, guys? We looked at all of the cards and picked the one that looked the most interesting on paper. So, on paper, it looked a lot of fun. (laughs) And then in person, it got. um, It became somewhat less fun. (laughs) I think that's a good way of putting it. It It started off good. It did. It did. So uh, let's let's go with with how it started off. Bear in mind that this was ECW's November to Remember 1998. This was actually not coming out of the Philly area. Uh, this was from the Lakefront Arena, Arena in New Orleans. And so, I believe I believe our very own uh, Matt Mixon was there during <laughs> WrestleMania weekend. I was. This is where they actually had the Ring of Honor show. Um, and I think uh, I think Brad, you asked me like, what's the What's the place like? And it no, it's a dump. It, no, it's, I think yeah. I think I said I think I said, is it as big a shithole in person as it appeared on this pay per view? Uh it's pretty bad. Um, it's clearly a, an establishment that was built many years ago. I mean, it was probably a dump even like twenty years ago when they had the show. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's kind of very worn down. Uh, so it's it's not, and it's also around nowhere it's like way way north of uh, new orleans like well i shouldn't say new, like way north like it's geographically somewhat close to the city but it's like kind of out there so when we actually went to the ring of honor show it was very dicey actually getting a cab or an uber back <laughs> into oh, like really any, yeah any part of the city we actually had to wind up just 
we finally were able to get an Uber, but there are literally people who like, uh, you know, like one of those taxis that's like a van basically. Yeah. Uh, one of those would pull up and literally like uh, one time we saw like 10 guys just get into the van, just crammed in. Cause they, wow. they were terrified that they would not be able to get any sort of other public transportation out of the, out of the area. Didn't they like let you guys out at like one in the morning too? Yeah, that card ran pretty late. Mm. So, so I think that ba- I think that's a discussion for another episode. But it amazes me, like some of the biggest dumps I've ever been in have been Ring of Honor shows. I guess they're trying to keep that overhead down and book uh, and book these venues, places that aren't probably aren't charging a lot of money. But yeah, I'm shocked they ran in Louisiana though, because all we heard about WrestleMania weekend was all of the crap they had to go through with the athletic commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think they even I commented mean, during this show about it too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they're, uh, they're probably realistically, they're probably limited in like the venues they had in the area. And that was the biggest venue that wasn't where the WWE was going to be or NXT was yeah. going to be. Yeah. So it is what it, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So this um, this show, as as was said, it started off interesting. Um, it started off with actually two angles, which uh, was which was which was good. Um, the first one <clears throat> was uh, someone was interviewing Jack Victory about how Jack Victory had attacked New Jack and that sort of stuff. And Jack Victory's talking about, no, New Jack deserved it. Um, that's that's just how it's going to be. I'm not going to put up with this. And then on the way in, shocker of shockers, New Jack jumps Jack Victory and beats the living fire out of him before the, uh, the cops drag him away. You're leaving out the best part of this segment is Lance Storm standing there doing nothing and then slithering away when the shit starts to go down. <laughs> Well, let's be <laughs> if I talked about everything then then I wouldn't leave anything uh, else to talk about now would I but uh, yeah it, it was kind of funny to watch uh, Lance do that he's Lance storm has kind of become one of my favorite guys involved in the industry in the last few years because he's got nothing to prove so he just says what he feels like saying. I, I like this opening a lot because there was, um, I mean, obviously it's New Jack, so there's always a hint of danger to it, but um, there was there was a certain gritty, like, way they shot this that I really liked. Yeah, it, it kind of looked like it was shot on a grainy handicam. Uh, probably because it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I guess let me start off the to bat and say like i uh to the extent i I, we tried to be very impartial on the show with with all forms of wrestling but uh even though i watched pretty much all of it growing up and i was uh kind of excited for ecw at least in like the 95 96 era because growing up wrestling like it was it was such a change of pace from what was going on in wcw and the wwf slash wwe back then and, and and for people who weren't a part of that time, you can't really understand how it was. It was very counterculture. It was like the big hot thing 
because it was so different. It was new. It was exciting. Um, and I was kind of wrapped up into that as well. But overall, like, I don't feel like I actually like ECW much. The quality of the work <laughs> I felt was just bad. And there's a lot to, there's a lot that dated wrong. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about yeah. it with regards to this show, but, and I don't actually feel it's held up that well. No. So uh, I'm not, if you're looking for someone who is going to give ECW a lot of breaks, it's not going to be me, even <laughs> though, uh, again, we do, we do try to be very fair here on this, uh, on this podcast. So we I, try. Mm-hmm. I, it is one of my goals. I want to go through and watch like all the TV again at some point in my life, but it doesn't age well. There's, there's a lot of, um, it's too much of its time to really. Yeah. To like, to have that same impact. And I think it hurts that like to watch it on the WWE network, it really loses a lot when you don't have that contemporary music playing. Oh yeah. You're absolutely right. And um, I also find it interesting, though, that so many people talk about ECW, but it really was a niche thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think there are more people that profess to love ECW than ever actually watched it when it was on. That's that's a great point, because now people nowadays, this is going to sound so old. This is going to be like my version of, well, back in my day, we had to walk five miles to school at a log cabin. You gotta uh, tell them to get off your lawn while we're at it. Yeah, I'm gonna really date myself with how I'm presenting this argument, but nowadays people kind of are spoiled because it's like regular TV. You can watch WWE. It's super easy enough to sign up for subscription services to uh, actually a host of other promotions. I mean, you have Ring of Honor, you have New Japan. If you want to go other. Um, Japanese promotions you have you have a, you have what's uh Brad is it stardom stardom yeah you have stardom you have DDT if all you want Japan, uh, new Japan Dragon oh, that's right all, yeah Mid they all have Japan they all all have streaming services uh on the American independent scene you have uh you have Jakar at least they have content on there there's actually lots of promotions that do basically youtube shows where they're putting up content effectively for free so you have an absolutely like tremendous wealth of content all you really have to do is just i mean my god like google searches will probably give you everything yeah i mean i mean when when i was a teenager and in my early 20s i used to have to go to websites and order vhs tapes yeah, if yeah, I wanted ta- to see New Japan. Yeah, you had to do tape trading and things like that. You had to go to someone like we've mentioned him before in the podcast, Jeff Lynch, who has just about everything that has been put out in Japan over like the last thirty something, forty something years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm only bringing up all that to to point out that back in the day, like with ECW, before it actually got onto an actual cable network, you had to hunt for the show and it was always on like weird like random cable access At networks two in the morning yeah i remember i actually found it and i think it was on like some weird channel that i it was even surprised they even got it on cable and it came on at weird times. You'd have to set your your. This is again dating myself. Your V, your VCR to actually record because <laughs> it was probably on, like you said, at two in the morning. You know, I um, know, I know it was on in Columbus, but I don't know like what channel or when. I just know they came here, so it was obviously on. But I never saw hardcore TV live. 
the only time I got to see it live was when they had signed on to uh, the Nashville network. Yeah, that's and at I that point, it. their TV was really. That's when ECW was on the, the downward, uh, yeah. their downward slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not whenever they were at their best, even though they were nice enough to um, have. I think the very first show they had is they showed one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, Rob Van Dam Jerry Lynn matches uh, in its entirety after after one of the shows. So it was. Um, you know, it, you, I got to see it, but it the the downfall was that um, every commercial slot, literally every commercial slot during some of those episodes were taken up by the same commercial for Monster Truck Madness, which featured Kevin Nash. So you got to see the same commercial four times in a row every commercial break. I remember Roller Jam was on after it. I thought Roller Jam was on before it. Oh, it might have been before. Yeah, because I, I, th- that I thought Roller that was Jam the lead-in. Yeah, where where they started putting storylines into it. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I did go to an actual ECW show in 2000 when they came to Columbus. So I did go to an original ECW show. Okay. I'm probably the only one of the three that actually saw it live. That's true. That's a, yeah. But EC, the guiltiest charge that follows this November to remember is the first uh, wrestling pay-per-view I ever got to watch. As, okay. as crazy as that sounds. I think the first I ever heard of ECW was in, a mag- was in a magazine I was subscribed to, but I don't remember the name of the magazine. It was probably one of the Aftermags, right? I don't know if they got really a lot of exposure in the aftermags. It was like a, it was like a, no, I bet it, it probably was an aftermag. So I'm trying to think, and I think it was actually kayfabe thinking back on it. Don't know. Got nothing for you on that, but now to, for the show, there is actually one of, um, uh, Brad, you absolutely loved the next angle that showed up uh, after that opener. Yes. There, there was another angle that happened. So why don't you tell us about it? So Terry Funk comes out, and Terry Funk is pissed off because Tommy Dreamer did not pick him to be his mystery partner for tonight. And so Dreamer comes out. Would you say that Terry was uh, pissed off he was not booked on the show? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. I'm- I'm making a uh, a reference there for people who don't, aren't aware. Oh man, he just died lo- like two years like ago. Last didn't year, he? in the last couple of years, yeah. 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 But um, so he comes out, and Dreamer comes out, and you know, Dreamer's trying to explain, you know, I didn't want to bother you. You're talking about you wanted to wrestle less, and Funk's going like, I love you, like I don't know if you say like a son or whatever. But I really like this because there was something like rawly human about this whole interaction. And like, I thought it was really well done. And like the character motivations were really good. And it was a believable, like interpersonal thing. Like I mentioned it last week, but it's just like, there's a certain human quality to it that the W the plastic, like WWE booking just wouldn't allow these days. 
It doesn't like so much of the stuff that we see on TV right now just does not have the um, just does not have the same um, like what's the word I'm looking at? It doesn't have the same feeling in it. Like Becky's Becky Lynch's stuff recently is probably about the, some of the closest. There's a certain sincerity to it. That's also what I'd say. Like, there was a certain sincerity to the way they were like interacting together. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, it was really good. And bear in mind that um, you're you're going to hear more about uh, you're going to hear more about Terry Funk as this show goes on. Yeah. What did, what did you think of this segment, Matt? I liked it a lot. Um, look, anytime you can get Terry Funk to go out and give a, a crazy Terry Funk promo, it's going to be pretty good. Like, even if it's like not great, it's still actually great. Um, so I, I did enjoy that. Um, but I felt as the show progressed, like this. This, yeah, they went overboard. Yeah, the the the, the angle kind of overshadowed a lot further on. So. And they could have really, it's something that I don't know why they didn't stretch that out like over a couple of shows. Yeah, this seemed like they were leading towards like a a, a dreamer funk match, but I don't think that actually ever happened. I could be wrong. I'm I'm kind of fuzzy on this. They go to like a stairway to hell match with um, Dreamer and Credible, I think. Credible. It's a guilty as charge, yeah. Hmm. And 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 Funk gets involved with that. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's well. It, Let me go a couple pay per views. Let me go a couple. Sorry, I'm going a couple pay per views out and seeing if like they actually. I don't think that they ever did. I don't remember it, but you know, Funk was kind of in and out at this point too. Wouldn't this also be right around the time whenever Terry Funk got involved with WWF to be Cactus's partner as Chainsaw Charlie? That was at the start of... No. Wait. No, that was the start of 98. Hmm. Wasn't it? Uh, I I couldn't remember offhand. So. It It looks like after that three stages of hell they go to... Tommy Dreamer and Shane Douglas against the Impact players. Let's see what Hardcore Heaven has. And then it's Lance Storm and Tommy Dreamer. So yeah, they never did anything unless they did something on TV. Mm. So, after this happens, um, you know, Dreamer tried to explain it to Funk and then it goes to the first match, which is this will tell you a lot about this company in one go right here. The Blue World Order featuring the Blue Meanie and Supernova. This is also after Stevie Richards and Raven and Sandman had gone to WCW uh, versus the team of Danny Doring and Amish Roadkill. <laughs> um, yeah, it, if I could interject, like uh, this was kind of almost like a 
well, this wasn't a comedy match, but I, the Blue World Order at this point was basically almost like comedy wrestlers, which they, I guess in a way they're always supposed to be a parody. Yeah. But in uh, in like mid-97, early to mid-97, when uh, you had Barely Legal, the first ECW pay-per-view, they were not only like crazy over, but Stevie Richards was crazy over to the point yeah. where he was kind of, they were kind of flirting with him being in the main event and people bought it. And I actually am, I've kind of consistently been like a Stevie Richards fan. I actually think he was, he's consistently been like way more talented than he got credit for. He was always, he's always been like a pretty decent wrestler. Um, I don't think he, I think he still kind of competes nowadays. He, he looks ripped. The he is like, he is in like his mid forties, I want to say, and is like completely ripped. He does like his own, um, fitness he's like a fitness instructor he does his own like private fitness stuff uh and i think he actually is like the fitness coach for some ufc fighter he Um, is he convinced me to buy a nintendo switch with his review really yeah yeah he actually i don't know if he still (laughs) does it but for a while he was doing a podcast which was not uh, it wasn't actually even wrestling related. It was partly like based on fitness, partly just pure like tech reviews. And it was actually compelling because uh, he is super knowledgeable about technology. Like he, he can give reviews on things and it's not even just, uh, hey, I like this. I like the Nintendo Switch. It's fun. Like, no, he breaks. He'll break down like the specifications and everything like that. Like he's 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 actually like a really compelling person. Uh, so when he left to go to EC, uh, sorry, to WCW, I was uh, happy for him, but they didn't, WCW didn't really do much with him. I think he and, wrestled like twice. Yeah. Like, and he wrestled like, he would probably wrestle more on like the WCW Saturday night shows. Uh, yeah. But by this point, like the blue world order was just kind of floundering. They were kind of just like comedy. Yeah. My yeah. favorite, uh, blue world order moment is they came out dressed up like kiss on one of the, shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. One of the um, the things that you were talking about, Stevie Richards being more talented than people gave him credit for, Stevie Richards was always an amazing um, at, at playing a character, playing the gimmick. Because you got to consider, not only was he Stevie Richards, but he was also um, the uh, Stephen Richards, the leader of the uh, Right to Censor, and stuff like that. Like he was so good at that stuff. He was also underrated <coughs> as Doctor Stevie Richards and TNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. That's. He, I mean, he's been really good in all the stuff he's done. But um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that there's so much that that happens. Uh in in wrestling that um it can be kind of hard to keep up or or recognize everything in one go yeah but i I thought this match was okay it was kind of soulless and paint by numbers if you ask me well it was it was wallpaper for what happened during it yeah i actually i would agree with you brad that it was actually a fine match um they actually tried to have an actual wrestling match, uh, and I thought it was okay, but 
you're right, Chad, that it kind of got overshadowed by the actual like storyline elements. Yeah. Yeah. Of 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 Terry Funk coming out during this match to yell <laughs> at people. <laughs> Just to be crazy ranting Terry Funk, but then he uh he starts assaulting people. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I liked the one touch I liked is they kept the cam they kept the mic on that camera on so you'd catch him saying stuff even when the camera wasn't on him. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to add, um, I just want to get out of the way now, but man, has Joey Styles' commentary aged poorly. I was going to say, Joey had the unenviable task of trying to call the spectacle that was uh, ECW by himself. And I forgot, man, Danny Dorian is boring as shit. That that was that was part of the point though. That was part of the gimmick. Because yeah, he's he would da- he's dastardly though. But the reason his name is Danny Doring is he would do boring things, and when the crowd started chanting boring, he would act like they were chanting his name. He's hmm. not as bad as Chetty, I think. I <laughs> uh, Matt, you were getting ready to say something. Uh, no, I would agree. I think, I mean, back in the day, I thought. For some reason, I felt Joey Styles did a better job, but... He's smug. Yeah, it didn't... Again, like, this is another one of the aspects of ECW that, in retrospect, it doesn't age well. Like, a lot, a lot, most of ECW, I think, doesn't age well, but... Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, that's true. It's just such a... I mean, he's trying to carry the commentary on this whole thing by himself, and it's just not... It, 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 it needed another person. He doesn't work well as others. That's why he did so much by himself. Well, now, he spent time, like, when he was an announcer for WWE, he did fine. Yeah, he wasn't that good in WWE, I don't think. I thought he did fine. But... He was with Heyman this... for some of that, wasn't he? I don't remember. I don't think so. But I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. He was in and out, though. It was weird. Like, it was like he was there, he was gone, and then he was, like, back. Yeah. So, the next match on the card was one that that looked like it had a lot of promise. Um, This was the full-blooded Italians member, Tracy Smothers, (laughs) which still makes me laugh to say, versus Tommy Rogers. Um. Now, since since Smothers was out there with the the FBI, um, let me see. Tommy Rogers brought Chris Chetty out with him as backup, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. So they're they're having this match, and we're I know Brad and I have talked about it. We were interested to see Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rogers have a match because Tommy Rogers was a member of the Fantastics with Bobby Fulton, and Tracy Smothers is. Tracy's mother, so we wanted to see what happened, but there's just so much stuff happening with the FBI at ringside that uh, yeah, like most ECW, this was every like like every other match with ECW, it was why not why overbook it when you can like double and triple and quadruple book it? Yeah. Just have yeah. way too much shenanigans going on. I have to say though, I liked um 
I liked how exasperated people were at the the full-blooded Italians and how none of them except uh, Guido is actually Italian. And yeah, I like how, incidentally, I like how I've heard that little Guido was not someone you messed with given the training camps he came out of. Yeah, I've heard that but, too. But anyway, I, go ahead. I love the degrees, though, where you could probably argue like Tracy Smothers and Tommy Rich could like possibly be Italian somewhere. And then you have Ulf Herman, who's like a German. A German yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, at, at the conclusion of the match, um, you have Mabel coming. <laughs> coming. Yeah. But, yeah. But the best part about Mabel, though, is he didn't even bother with a shirt because he's so fat. He just had like a, a bib on that had like FBI they written in crap. Yeah. They had taken one of those FBI shirts and cut the sides out of it. So it was yeah. just a collar. So but, they had this. They they had um, they had Tommy Rod Tommy Rogers wins because there's so many shenanigans going on. Good lord! <coughs> I mean, it's yeah. arguably not even a match. Yeah, yeah. it's barely a match. It's just I was, I it's was pretty so much disappointed by this. Yeah, it could have been amazing, but instead it was basically just a series of like the ref getting distracted by one of the FBI while an, an, some other member of the FBI and Tracy basically double team. Tommy. Incidentally, just, Tracy Smothers' punches look stiff. Yeah. God, he looked like he's like his dance. <laughs> I like his whole like Italian ta- uh, taunt or insult, whatever that's supposed to be. Where he and he did it like every five seconds. Brushing the chin thing. Yeah. I'll have <laughs> to ask like the Italian that we know, Christy Petrillo, to see if that's a like a real thing or not. I, I bet like you it the, is. I like the Tommy Rich promo too. Yeah, as the Don, because he didn't even he did, he he just flat called him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was fun, and he wins with, uh, to my knowledge, the first instance of the what Christian called the the unprettier on, you know, North American television. The Tamakazi. Is that what it is? That's how. That's what it was called when uh, Tommy Rogers did it. Okay. Yeah. And you know he he did it pretty smooth. He did it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. And then then as Brad said, out comes Mabel <clears throat> as a guest member of the FBI because why not? Which led to one of my uh, oddly. One one part of ECW that was oddly endearing to me, and that's Spike Dudley shows up. Little Spike Dudley, who's what, 5'8", 120 pounds soaking wet or something? I don't even think he's 5'8". Yeah, he, not little dude. Comes stomping out. And he comes stomping out, and it's it's just something... Oh, he's 5'8", okay. 150. Yeah, 150. He comes stomping out, and he's got he's got the, the Dudley like tie-dye shirt on, and the the thick horn rim glasses with the tape on it, but he's wearing overalls that are like shorts and just, I don't, I don't know what it is, but the way he does that, he comes stomping out there <coughs> to try and help save Chetty and Rogers. And then Mabel tries to put him through a table, but Dudley moves and Mabel goes through the table. And then he, he does his, uh, his acid drop finish and, and, the ref covers him because apparently there was a match happening. Um, it's just Spike was the Spike couldn't beat anybody unless they were massive. 
So he was the giant killer, and he he could he, apparently he couldn't win a match unless the guy he was up against was was just huge. Which means when he tried to take on Mike Awesome, Mike Awesome just wasn't big enough for Spike Dudley to beat. I guess I don't know. But also an English English teacher, I believe. Yep, that was in uh, Beyond the Mat as well. Um, he, he spent. It was funny they they're interviewing him and he's on camera. Um, bleeding from his forehead, talking about Shakespeare. So, eh. this was this this had the potential to be really good, but got very ECW'd with Matt's excellent use of the word shenanigans happening. Yeah. So, you know what are you gonna do? Um, let's see. The next match on the card featured Lance Storm. Uh, Jerry Lynn versus Lance Storm. Lance Storm came out with uh, Don Marie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Who at but, this point was being called Tammy Lynn Bitch. Yes, because Tammy Lynn Sitch was one of the two special guest referees. Mm-hmm. <sighs> because ECW was subtle. Yes. Um, the other guest special guest referee was Mikey Whipwreck. The ECW's perennial underdog who won like every title in the company I think but uh, so so Lynn and Storm are trying to have this match well let's 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 talk about the important issue here okay I appreciate the camera work as Tammy was taking her socks off that they managed to get that right on the upskirt of her crotch for like two minutes straight yeah that's a very ECW thing to do. Uh, speaking of that, I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a. It, so, for those who haven't seen the pay per view, she was in. Uh, she was in like a very short skirt that easily like flared up, and I, I don't know if she was just wearing like a thong or something. But <laughs> there was a point where she's like looking to like count a pin or trying to see if some if. Uh, if Lance Storm was going to submit and she kind of like crouches down and bends over. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the crowd, like all of the dudes in the audience literally stand up and are just trying to see like her <laughs> ass. Cause her, the, the skirt's like riding up and they're having like a view of her ass and it's so perverted <laughs> what they're doing. It's like, come on guys. Like you're, you're literally on camera. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, very it's literally ECW. like, yeah, it's literally like thirty of you trying to get like a an up upskirt shot there. And there's yeah. one dude I think actually he had a camera. This is before the days of cell phones, uh, camera phones. So I'm sure I, I think he was actually taking like camera shots for crotch. And it's like, come on. Yeah, this, I'm, surpri- I'm yeah. surprised someone in the crowd didn't get stabbed when she was throwing her socks into the crowd. Mm. Oh yeah, because well, this was another. Because Tammy, let me see, Tammy didn't like Lance Storm, and Mikey didn't like Jerry Lynn, but they're both special guest referees. And so it's another case where you could be having a good match, but they had to, ECW had to ECW and just pile stuff onto it. I, I did like, um, I, I did like Mikey Whipwreck in this match because his, um, like, the, I don't want to say subtle, but, like, his clear, like, annoyance at Tammy's, like, 
bias as a referee was like just great throughout the match. Mm-hmm. It, it, His consternation, is that the word? Yeah, that that works. I think so. I think it does. So, you know, the match goes on, and of course you've got two guest referees, so that means there is, uh, uh, as Matt said, shenanigans that take place. Um, and let's see. Uh, I think Storm ends up winning. Yeah, yeah. Storm ends up winning after Mikey Whitbrick gets tired of all the shenanigans that Tammy was trying to do and does a fast count. Um, uh, not before he gives her a whippersnapper, a.k.a. the Stone Cold Stunner. Does he do that to her? Yeah, he does that to Tammy. Yeah, okay. this, and is after, this is after Tammy, I think, rips the pants off of Don Marie. Yeah. He just happens to be wearing a thong. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. And I think there was a slow count she was doing where Storm would have won. Yeah. So, again. The... Yeah, and Mikey um, Mikey does give her that, basically, a Stone Cold Stunner. And in classic ECW misogyny, uh, the, the crowd, like, just erupts in a pop for yeah. this woman who was supposed to be, like, the face getting assaulted i couldn't tell who was supposed to be the face and who was supposed to be the heel in this i think she i i'm it's been obviously the 20 years since this pay-per-view but watching it with like no recollection of this back in the day she, she, it, she would, comes off as the face she, she she would be like a tweener though because i think she was still affiliated with candido who was a heel yeah so but but this is ecw and i think um i think i once saw it described with their attitude towards women is if you're evil, you're an evil hoe. And if you're a face, you're just a good hoe that embraces your hoiness. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that being a definition. Whew. So we got through that match. <laughs> I, I will say to the, to the extent that this match was okay. Um, yeah. I thought, Storm and and Jerry Lynn did some decent stuff together, and I thought that the two ref dynamic before it became horribly overbooked, as most ECW matches actually were. Yeah, um, I thought the two ref dynamic actually did bring something from a kind of a narrative perspective because you clearly had Tammy being biased against Lance Storm, and you had Mikey kind of trying to play it down the middle. Um, mm-hmm. So there was some conflict there, which I thought, to the extent that ECW had like storylines uh especially stories to the match like i felt that that did add something i was gonna say i thought all ecw had was storylines but well i guess poorly done storylines but they had good storylines but this feels like i don't know this felt like they went way off the the deep end it it, it's just it's it's a coherent mess, I think, is how I look at it. Because there's, there's storytelling elements that happened on this pay-per-view that I actually liked a lot and thought were really brilliant. Yeah. But um, those were over... Like, I'll just skip ahead briefly. Like, the ending to the main event I thought was brilliant, like, storytelling and was really character-driven and had a nice subtlety to it compared to everything else. But mm-hmm. there wasn't enough of that here. Right, right. Um... Yeah, 
Well, it sounds about right. Bear in mind, if you guys haven't ever watched ECW, one of the one of the hallmarks was there's no such thing as a DQ in ECW. So, you know, whatever whatever goes. Um, and if you if you haven't watched an ECW show, watch the Barely Legal in '97 because the the M Pro match is worth the price of admission alone on that one. Mishinoku Pro, yeah, yeah. So the next match on this card, because November to remember, I think was ECW's big show in the year, wasn't it? Uh, like that. Th- this it, was the pay per view era, but yeah, it had been. Because I think okay. like I think like their big shows were this and like um, Heat Wave, maybe. Yeah, because Guilty as Charged didn't start till the next year, and then I think December to Dismember came along after. Yeah. So this was, you know, this is one of their big shows. All right. So, and and Terry Funk's been wandering around doing stuff most of the show, too. Yelling at people and throwing things and stuff like that. So the next match we had was the Dudley Boys uh, defending the tag titles against Masato Tanaka and Balls Mahoney. Okay. There had been some setup, I think, they had Ian Rotten with them. Was it Ian or Axel Rotten? Axel. Okay, it was Axel. They had Axel Rotten with with Tanaka and Mahoney, talking about the stuff that um, the Dudleys have been putting them through and the chair shots and trying to attempt neck injuries and all this kind of stuff and what what the state commissions had threatened and all this sort of thing. And so we're. We're looking at, um, you know, the, the the story is that Tanaka and Mahoney aren't in condition to face the Dudleys because the Dudleys weren't just like goofy, silly. They were vicious heels at this point. Yeah. And so, you know, Rotten is, is doing this promo about, you know, they say we shouldn't be out here. And if this happens, these guys might never be able to walk again. But we're men, so we're going to stand up for what we believe in. And it's like, go, uh, you know, knowing what we know now, it's kind of like, that's um, awkward, awkward. Um, And, but they they go on to have this match, right? And I want to say before we get into this, I actually kind of had some hopes for this because... Uh, the Dudleys are obviously good. I like Masato Tanaka, and Balls Mahoney is a bit of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, he's... He's okay for what he is. Well, uh, yeah, he was he was good at what he was able to do. Um, it, it's just, he kind of, I guess, pigeonholed himself. I forgot, he's lost a lot of weight since he wrestled. He did, yes. Um, Who? Which one? Balls Mahoney. Well, yeah, among other things, though. Uh, the disturbing thing about these ECW shows, and this is certainly no different, is that you, you can go through and you can play like who's who's alive, who's dead. And yeah. there is quite yeah. a few who are no longer alive. Um, yeah. Including both Axel and Balls. Yeah. So, oh, I forgot Balls was dead. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, Balls is no longer with us. When did he die? I, uh, I he didn't die that long ago. It yeah. was a day after his 44th birthday. 
the the Wikipedia says that he was he and his wife were watching Jeopardy and he rolled over to get more comfortable and then was just gone. Damn, he's only forty four. That's yep. insane. Well, the thing that you got to consider all the stuff that went on in the ECW locker room, like. Oh yeah, those guys. Yeah. Those guys were scarfacing it up in there. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that anytime they had a dead pool, Raven just picked himself. So, yeah. Um, but so we had um, we had this match happen, and of course it's going along, it's going along, and then the Dudleys hit the 3D on Masato Tanaka, and. As far as I'm aware, this is the first time anyone ever kicked out of the 3D. But Tanaka did it. Tanaka was all of like 25 years old in this match. And he yeah, already he did, had those scars. He doesn't look like as much like Tanaka as you would think he does. Yeah. So. So, I don't know if you guys felt this way. And, I mean, we grew up, I feel, watching matches where... Hardcore was more hardcore than today nowadays yeah. is. I mean, that's subtracting places like CZW who have done just absolutely stupid things. But um, looking at this with some of the chair shots that were thrown, oh mm-hmm. my God, especially awful. the ones that they gave Jeff yeah. Jones, uh, referee Jeff Jones, mm-hmm. like I cringed at this because, I mean, back in the day, they would do this this sort of thing all the time. And you know, no one really thought about the effects of, you know, long-term concussions or anything like that. Obviously, 20 years later, we know a great deal about that sort of thing. But they were throwing out chair shots on this. And the ones on Jeff Jones in particular, like, I just cringed. I'm like, it made me feel bad. Like, legitimately yeah. feel bad. Cause it's like, God only – this Jeff Jones isn't even, like, a trained wrestler. Like, what no. What the hell is is his quality of life now, like, 20 years later, even just having taken some of these shots? Yeah. Yeah, they um, – God, they unloaded on everybody in this. Yeah. And then it also gets – the other thing that's uncomfortable is one of Tanaka's signature spots was to do a tornado DDT onto some chairs. Mm-hmm. So there's even more going on. And we're we're watching all of this happen, right? And um, go ahead, Brad. I really had hopes for this, and this just—I don't know—they just couldn't get out of their own way. I felt like it was so much of it was built to the spectacle of what happens whenever we smack Tanaka and Mahoney with a chair, you, and then. Like you hit yeah. that point like that's that's the all the promos and everything and all the build is like that's the emotional climax of this match and then they do it early and then they just keep going and it's it like just, what, uh, what are we doing it just strikes me with this show that i think the match i enjoyed the most was the main event and thinking about it the main event was really subdued with everything yeah and yeah. i feel like if they had subdued this match a little bit and taken out some of the chair shit taken out like the the Rob Van Dam and Sabu like run in. I feel like there was a good match like in here, but they just they got they just they got too um they indulged too much in like their excesses. Uh, yeah. I would agree with that and I'm glad you brought it up 
the run-in because if the goal was to get Balls and Masato over, especially with having them win the titles, uh, I, I don't know how you think that you did that when you have them basically only win because you have the run-in. Well, and, it, and was... it just became an overbooked mess. And like you're yeah. right, like that that was so clearly like ECW's excesses back in the day. And yeah. that's fine if you want to do that in one match on the card, but they would do it in every match. Yeah. Yeah. Well, RVD and Sabu ran in because the Dudleys stole, in effect, stole the tie, the tag titles from them. So this is their revenge, right? And and okay, uh, I, I guess I don't know. It, the, every folks hated the Dudleys so much that getting the titles off of them was was kind of a thing in and of itself. But you know, it's, you have this this spot where it's like okay. Here's our, our big emotional climax, and you're maybe a third of the way through what happens. And it's like, oh, yuck. And then you get the same, you get something similar happens in the next match, because the next match. Yeah, the, the next match, I believe, sometimes we like send messages as we watch these things. And I don't know if Matt and Shad knew where I was, but I was about five minutes in the next match. And I think I just texted them, fuck this match. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was, okay, the next to the semi-main. And this is something else that was always weird with me with ECW because it seemed like like the main storyline for ECW was what's going on around Tommy Dreamer because Tommy Dreamer was kind of like their boy, right? Except Tommy Dreamer was not, in a lot of cases, pushed as the main guy. We'll get to that. Um, no, it- it really struck me. I thought Just Incredible was lame back in the 90s, and he's even lamer now as, like, looking back. Yeah. Oh, looking back, and this was before they even pushed him to the, the world title, and it was just, yeah. it's just terrible. And I don't I don't understand any, I, I never was sold on him to begin with, but even now. I mean, it just, you're right, it's worse. I, I don't understand why he came out with, like, 20 different people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why does Just Incredible, of all people, have an entourage? I, yeah. I don't know. And it's an entourage and, of, like, freaks, too. Yeah. yeah. Nicole Bass was in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're also dead. Yeah. I also, I also wanted to, I meant to mention this, and I just remembered it now, and I wanted to interject it right now, but... I really have a strong dislike of shows where the entrance ramp comes all the way up to the side of the ring. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't like that. Oh, okay. see, I kind of like that because that was, I think, like old school WCW or yeah. EWA had that. And yeah, was... I've seen some Japan shows way back Yeah, New Japan does it for, like, the dome shows. Yeah. You could make good use of that um, if, if, you, if you wanted to. Um so I don't know. I, I it doesn't bother me. It's just different than what I'm used to. But anyway, it it's it, it's just incredible. And uh, Jack Victory versus Tommy Dreamer and a mystery partner. Here's another little bit of background for you guys. ECW wanted to have a surprise at like every show. Every show they wanted to have a surprise. So they came up with it. it, it they, they would just come up with surprises. It's like, well, uh, okay, I didn't expect that guy to be there, but so. And it, it, yet here we are, right? Yeah. And so who is Tommy Dreamer's mystery partner? 
because he didn't want to bother Terry Funk because Terry Funk didn't want to do the touring and stuff like that, and Terry's mad about it. Who does Tommy Dreamer get? Tippy Tom. <laughs> Jake the Snake Roberts, who just really doesn't look like he wants to be there. He doesn't he look like he's in any condition to be there. Yeah. He looks like um he looks like he did all of the blow in the back and didn't pay anyone for it. <laughs> yeah. First off, he comes out in in basically like I guess ostensibly you could call it street clothes. But cowboy boots and like cowboy boots, like sweatpants and like a soccer jersey. Yeah. Yeah, not not even good street clothes. He came he came out in the the type of sweatpants you're wearing because you're too fat to like cram into your fucking jeans. <laughs> I, I just I didn't get it, you know. It, what why I, why Jake? Look, well why Jake? But I I, I want to. So this is gonna come off really snobbish, but um, I like to. I like I like to feel like I have some fashion sense. I like to at least match my colors. <laughs> and it was like gray sweatpants, brown cowboy boots, and like a blue and white soccer shirt, soccer jersey. Yeah. It's like it, it was even like offensive to the eyes. How much how much do you think Jake made for like the two seconds of work he did in this match? Want too to say much three three grand? Too much. Yeah. It was at least probably a few thousand. Yeah. They just gave it to him. But yeah, why Jake? And I mean that really, like what? He why, lives there. Why J- oh, he lives in New Orleans? Or he did at the that. time. Yeah, I think he was local. Is that legitimate? Because at Media Weekend, he, Jake was in town, and he actually was doing some sort of event, uh, like a block away from my hotel, at like some at, at a bar that was probably as big as my like apartment, and I only have like a. Seven. I think I have like an under eight hundred square foot apartment. I think he was at the time because like he did like, I mean, do you figure he did um, like Smoky Mountain brought him in for a while. He was like in that area for like mid south and stuff. He's born in Texas. I bet I bet he was like semi like I bet he was within driving distance of that show. Huh. Yeah. And I mean, Paul Heyman likes him a lot because remember what he was saying about him in um beyond the mat at the time um remember he was talking about how like jake had that it factor oh okay yeah well i mean he did back in the day before drugs effectively ruined him yeah pretty much so we it's, had um it's well, the kind of, he's the kind of personality i think that they would bring in like not that they should have for this, because he was obviously beyond the point of uh, usefulness. But I can see the logic of why you would pick Jake. But it was a bad choice. Well, yeah, the the only rationale I could come up with was the fact that uh, Jake, uh, Tommy used to DDT, and so did Jake. That was that was what I had. But how much do you think? Um, just throwing out another question. Speaking of money, how much do you think One Man Gang made for like his sixty seconds of work for this too? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I mean, probably a few hundred bucks too, at least. Yeah. That was this was basically like a handicap match because Jake was useless. Um, yeah. 
and you had well, I mean, Tommy going out there doing everything, and then it was it just dissolved into like a million bullshit run-ins. Yeah, and there were people like I didn't even realize were in ECW. Like I said, the One Man Gang came out. I'm like, why did you pay? I mean, it really is kind of shows Paul Heyman's like business sense, but it's like, why did you pay the One Man Gang to come out here? Like, did he even have a storyline at the time? No, I don't think so. I have to say the one man gang looked fucking great though. He looked like he was uh, a nice like fit uh, version of himself. He went through a period where he dropped a bunch of weight. Yeah. 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 So you had this happen, and you know, uh, Credible had his whole entourage, and gang comes out, and that means that. New Jack and John Cronus showed up. A pairing I still don't get. I never did get. That went by the name. Cronus is one of the worst workers I've ever seen. Yeah, but and they went. However, surprisingly, for a man his size to do a 450. Um, but New Jack and Cronus went by the name because Cronus and Perry Saturn were the eliminators. New Jack and Cronus went by the name of the Gangstonators. I have to say, like, the entire time ECW is on TNN, I don't think New Jack ever wrestled a match. I think he just did run-ins like this. I think he did. Um, so they here come here come New Jack and Cronus, right? Because Jack Victory had jumped New Jack, and we got that at the beginning. Here come New Jack and Cronus. And then the match keeps going. Like, we like need to properly not, not a little bit, for a while. Yeah. But we need we need to properly contextualize this run in. This run in was probably like five minutes of the match. I thought it was a little bit longer than that, but I was just spitballing how it fe- it felt like it was twenty minutes, but it, it here it, okay. So New Jack and Cronus run in, and New Jack has the reputation of just being this. He comes out with weapons everywhere, and he's a scary dude to have around. So he comes out here, and they start swinging around. And then the match keeps going. Again, your your emotional climax is taking place too early. Mm-hmm. And so the finish on the match is Dreamer throws a ladder in the ring and Robert's DDT's credible on it for the win. Okay. I get that. You, you've, you're having this guy who's been a legend in the business do a signature move in an ECW fashion for the win. That part I get. But why are you going to have – you've got this storyline between New Jack and Jack Victory going on. You have Justin Incredible's entourage interfering. Why are you going to blow that load so early? Why are you not going to, like, build more heat based off of it? And so they, they interfere some, and then they interfere some, and then they interfere some, and the crowd's getting more and more pissed. And then here comes New Jack. Bear in mind, whenever New Jack did a run-in, they played his music for, like, the entire time he was actively doing something. And, and they have to play that god-awful, like, whatever they play instead of what his music was. It yeah, was his, their awful stock music. <clears throat> so here I, they I come and they do the some... run-in. Which would be the time when they come in and do the run-in and New Jack just, like, blasts everybody with whatever he can get his hands on. You'd figure, go straight into the finish then. Nope, not doing that. It's like, why? I don't understand why not. Like, yeah. you can't you can't in good faith tell me that you're letting it breathe 
to bring the focus back onto Tommy Dreamer and Jake Roberts. And I'm pretty sure Jake laid there for like 10 minutes in this match. Probably. I, I wanted to say, though, I will give WWE <laughs> just a smidge of credit on the, the edited music in. They at least make a small attempt to make the music sound like a terrible, like, rip-off version of the music it's replacing. Yeah, Dreamer's music sounds an awful lot like just a straight-up instrumental of Man in a Box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which surprised me, because, like, RVD's music sounds nothing like Walk. At all. Yeah. Like, not, not, even, not even close. The FBI didn't have the Stayin' Alive thing at all, which take some of their hilariousness away. Yeah. So we got to have this thing happen. Yeah, this match about broke me. And then then Terry Funk gets in Dreamer's face for picking Roberts and attacks him, and Dreamer won't do anything about it. Okay, that's good storyline stuff right there. But... After everything that happened, is that is that when you're going to try and hook us in on storyline stuff? Also, I have to say that it's a bad... When Terry Funk was going on, you picked Jake Roberts over me, and I was kind of like, you know what, Terry Funk, you should pile drive him through a table because you're right. Like, yeah, he has, have... he has a, a point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You could argue like, oh, Terry was just being really like... He's being unfair to Tommy. But then it's like Jake Roberts, like Jake Roberts, like can't even like come out and work the match. Like it's a basically a handicap match. Like, yeah, I wish <laughs> I wish Terry just would have been like, you pick that fucking drunk over me. Which would have been hilarious. But yeah, yeah, he had a point. It's like, yeah, you know what? Terry Funk's right. Like early on, I was going to give Tommy Dreamer the benefit of the doubt from what from what Terry had said in storyline and stuff, but it's like, now it's like, dude, you should just call Terry. Yeah. Like you, you know, you bring Stan Hansen or like Steve Williams out there. Oh my God. You know, Terry's going to have to like, be like, okay, like (laughs) I don't agree with it, but I understand. But you know, Jake Roberts, eh, I think I'd take Terry Funk over him. The, um, yeah, the, the, yeah, to see Stan Hansen come out and do this would have been incredible. Because Stan also wouldn't have, like, he wouldn't have held back on nobody. He would have murdered everyone. And he probably would have murdered Dreamer while he was out there. And that would have been really fun to watch. And then to see Terry come out and, like, shake Stan's hand for beating everybody up would have been great, too. Hey, I found out an interesting tidbit about um, Stan Hansen this week. Okay. So, you know, when he does his little bullhorn thing and yells something mm-hmm. during matches, yeah. he's yelling youth. Really? Yes. Why? That, I don't know. I just know that's what he yells. And I didn't know he was actually yelling something. I thought he was just making, like, sounds. Noises. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I wonder why. Anyway, this, this takes us into the main event. I did like the now for the main event. I did like the I did like, I like the style of their backstage promos and stuff. But I yeah. like the um, I like the promos leading up to this. I had forgotten how much I enjoy uh, Bill Alfonso. <laughs> he's such a slimy little weasel. And he's so obnoxious. It's great. yeah. 
That's that's the thing is Alfonso with that stupid whistle on the outside. You just want to see him die. I know it's great. He, it's like when you see um, it's like if you go if you went to a Ring of Honor show a couple of years ago and uh, Veda Scott was working ringside. Like you literally would shank her if you could because she was that annoying. And yet they're working face this match. Kind of hard yes. to tell. Um, so the main event is a triple threat of Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Candido. Uh, Douglas's promo as a setup for this, I feel like goes on a bit too long. I liked his promo, but it did go on a little too long. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, If he cut cut about a fourth of it off, he had a pretty brilliant promo, actually. It, it It was engaging, and it was a very ECW promo. Now, what I did like about this is it felt like it felt like you had six guys here and they had interconnected issues with each other mm-hmm. between themselves, which was really nice, like deep storytelling. And like I said, this also kind of had that realish feeling that the opening segment had. Mm-hmm. So it, it's 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 coming from it's coming for from somewhere that feels real. Yeah. And I like that Taz's um fake world title was pissing Shane off so much. Yeah. So you had you had the triple threat taking on the new triple threat, which was Sabu, Rob Van Dam, and Taz. The only thing that held the new triple threat together is how much they hated the triple threat. That was that was like the linchpin of them working together. <clears throat> so here they are, and they're doing their entrances, and RVD and Sabu are coming out, and the Dudley boys attack them. Gee, who could have seen that coming, right? I was so annoyed when that happened. I'm just like, oh, great, here we go again. So then Taz's music hits, and the Muzak cover doesn't sound anything like War Machine by Kiss. No. But he comes out, and he suplexes the Dudleys, and then they go on and have the match. And so we have a honest God. We just have we have a pretty straightforward match. I like this match quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Like for just being like a kind of a brawl, like six man brawl. Like this was pretty confident, and like they didn't they didn't have all that outside crap. It was like a really nice, straightforward, subdued match. And it was just guys that hated each other, just beating the shit out of each other. I thought this was pretty good. Yeah. It I was thought, um, intriguing. Right. Go ahead, man. Go, go, go. I thought, yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I wasn't overly enamored with it, but it's it was probably the best match on the you show. Know what I mean, if, if if I know we don't throw snowflakes around, if 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 you said give this a star rating, I'd probably say like three and a half, three and a fourth. Like, that's fair. Yeah, I would yeah. go with that. I, I think we were like, uh, we were kind of like messaging. Uh, one another watching this or as we ha- were watching it and giving our, our thoughts to each other and Brad I think you I think you mentioned that it was clear at this point that Rob Van Dam was like the big star yeah. of oh, yeah. the promotion and it kind of did show in this match like he was doing a lot of cool stuff you could see he was a little more crisp than other people Sabu was like per Sabu was just reckless <laughs> as, reckless as, as all hell just like I, I thought, he like legit injured people. He was 
he Sabu was out there crazy. sabuing around. Yeah, I actually thought I actually thought for a Sabu performance, it was one of his better ones. That's probably true, which is sad, but yeah. He had his triple jump dive that he still screwed up and had to redo. So everyone had to stand there and wait for him to do it. But see, see, that's the charm that people don't get about Sabu is watching him fuck something up and then keep <laughs> fucking it up. But he keeps going back to the same spot because he just has to, like, get that spot to work. Just like that's got to do it. Yeah. Or when or my favorite is like when. He's supposed to have, like, he's in a battle royal or something, and he forgets the rules and, like, eliminates himself, and then they have to, like, <laughs> let him back in because he's supposed to win or something. Yeah. So, over the course of this, you know, they, these guys go back and forth, and they do stuff. <clears throat> and um, we get to the end, and one thing that, that everyone had been, like... Like Styles talked about it, and Taz talked about it beforehand, and Douglas had said, "You're not going to put your dirty hands on me, Taz." The idea of Taz applying the Taz mission on Shane Douglas was really what what we were building towards, right? That's where that's that's kind of that's where the match was headed. That was the the big moment. It finally happens. Taz gets the Taz mission on Douglas, and Douglas is like, "Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! I can't get out! I can't get out! I can't get out!" And they go down. So Taz has him cinched in. They're down on the map. He's not going anywhere. And that's when Sabu's like, you know what? I could not only win this match, but I could screw Taz. And grabs a chair and does an Arabian face buster <laughs> to both of them and then pins Douglas. That right there, that is fantastic character work. That is awesome. I, I could not enjoy that anymore. Like that that's that's perfect. I really enjoyed that ending because like I had said earlier, like it it's very subtle and it it's um it sets up like future storylines and gives you like branching paths to go and like it was a really great way to end the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they kinda did um they did exploit that because uh, a little bit further into, I don't think it was twenty the remainder of this year, but in twenty in two thousand nine they did um, two thousand nine sorry nineteen ninety nine they did uh, they did Taz versus Douglas, which I think that's where he won the title, mm-hmm. and then they then they transitioned actually into Taz versus Sabu, which they had already kind of done before, but obviously they gave in this pay per view they gave themselves room to go back to that. Yeah, I thought it was a good ending. Like I said, this is the best part of the show. Also, uh, Taz and Sabu were at one time ECW Tag Team Champions. Because Paul Heyman loves the two wacky characters that hate each other and still win the tag titles. Trope. Yeah. He he, he loves that. Uh, I, I'm convinced he's like Scrooge McDuck. He'd roll around in it if he could. He even d- did it in like on SmackDown. He did. That was uh, Kurt Angle and Lord Voldemort. Yes. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm going to come up with something funnier for that, but that's what I'm going with right now. So, so I felt I felt bad after I watched this because I'm like, you know, we we randomly selected this because it looked like an interesting card. And it's 
ECW, especially for us, is like a controversial issue because I think, I think like I'd probably be the closest to someone that would be a fan of it, and even I'm not really like a fan. I just want to explore it more at some point in my life, and we really pulled like a stinker and I feel like I feel bad. Like I feel like at some point we've got to try another ECW show to try and see if we can redeem it. But we're going to, we'll, we'll have to try and pick one for it. Yeah. But it's, uh, we'll, we'll have to try and and, and pick one. Um, Because for me, like this was, this wasn't like charmingly bad. Like Halloween havoc, 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. If you said like you have to pick Guilty as Charged 1998 or Halloween Havoc 1995, with the caveat that you have to watch it a hundred times in a row, I would pick Halloween Havoc every time. Oh yeah, because at least the monster trucks were funny. Yeah, well, well and, the and with the Yeti, <laughs> oh, yeah. and we also we had a great, we had a really great uh, Sting Horseman match on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, this, this show was, this was supposed to, th- I think, supposed to be a big show and it didn't feel like it. Yeah. I, so, I read a little more up on it and this was not well received at the time. So we just kind of stumbled into a stinker. Well, you know, it's. I, su- I suppose you could. Uh, I suppose it's appropriate because um, it's, it's just <laughs> when you compare it to the other options we had, this looked way more engaging. Uh, yeah, it did. So, because we were I, looking at November to remember. Because there were there were a couple of earlier cards that looked like they were good on paper, but I, we didn't feel like would have like interesting interesting discussion attached to it so we kind of passed on those mm-hmm. and it really came down to 97 and this year mm-hmm. and i think we just we kind of said eh, 98 looks a little more interesting and i think we just picked poorly yeah well because i i don't know about you guys but when we do these shows like i really don't like being super negative about it just because i feel like it's boring to listen to and it's kind of like boring to shit on things all the time. Yeah. So I usually I usually try to be pretty moderate with these things and look for the bright side and say like, hey, well, you know, this this was kind of good. But like even like with Halloween Havoc 95, I, w- I could say, hey, watch the monster trucks. It's stupid. You know, DDP Johnny B. Bad was good. But this show is just like none of it's worth watching. Like maybe watch like the opening segment with Terry Funk. But even then, like that's. This is not any different than anything else you've seen him do. Yeah, and and you bring up a good point. Like we we are not the sort of podcast where we're looking to dislike a show or anything that we're watching. Like no, we actually are. We we're literally like decades long fans of pro wrestling. So we I want we yeah. want to like the content. So this show unfortunately was not. It did not give us a lot to go with. This show. Yeah, we're fans. We want to see, we want to enjoy stuff. This show was kind of like, even though the the time frame doesn't match up correctly, but it's kind of like um, 
listening to a Limp Biscuit album at the time you thought, okay, this is cool, and now you look back on it and go, yeah, no, just just no, not this not is doing like that. um, for me this is a lot like um, going back to actually at the time. This was like when Vince Russo Vince Russoed up WrestleMania 15. Like, where he had these compelling storylines, and then he did that stupid double title screw-up with Billy Gunn and the Road Dog. Oh, God, where they they won the, the title the other one wanted. Yeah, right before the pay-per-view, and they screwed all the matches that were kind of, like, interesting up, and then you were left with this card that got, like, decimated the week before. Yeah, and it was... Yeah, it was really... That was... I remember that. that was so bad that Billy Gunn and Road Dog teased just trading the titles on, on a Raw leading up to that mania. Like they're standing in the ring holding them, kind of holding them out to each other, going, Can we do this? Can we do this? And then it cuts to black. So I imagine it cuts to black and someone ran down there and said, Don't you dare. <clears throat> Thinking about it, why would Billy Gunn ever want the hardcore title? I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of like that's kind of the same feeling I had because honestly, like as I was watching this, like I just got disappointed. I was just like, oh, like I was kind of like looking forward to it. You know, it was something different. You know, the matches looked interesting. They did on paper. They looked actually quite interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to have to give this a strong thumbs down. Avoid it with all of your just avoid it. Yeah, that's what I gotta say. It's just, just, just don't. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I'm not. It's not even that I have a strong like thumbs down. It's just that this isn't worth your time. Like, don't. No. Yeah, it's three hours of your life that you're not gonna want to spend watching there's, this. When there's so much other like other yeah. wrestling content out there for you. It has no merit. Yeah. It. it I, I'm not. I'm not angry about this or anything. I'm not like mad about it or I'm just kind of I'm like no, just just don't. I mean, you could you could take a nap for 2 hours and and be happier. So just I'm going total like apathy on it. Just 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 no, don't. It'll disappoint you. It'll it'll it's a constant disappointment in that it presents you matches where on paper and knowing the talent, you're like, oh, okay, this should be, this should be good. And then it's not. Yeah. Like the, the Tommy Rogers, Tracy Smothers is like a microcosm of the entire pay-per-view. Yeah. That's. God, I, if if you're gonna pick one on this card to watch, uh, the the I, that's probably the one I would pick because it it kind of just encapsulates the whole thing for you. Yeah, I mean, if you really if you really are desperate to watch something, I would tee up the promos and watch the main event, and then go watch maybe Guilty as Charged because I think that was actually a decent show. Yeah, Guilty Guilty as Charged, the one that followed this, was really interesting. So, um, it was, it, that one, that one had a lot of 
it didn't have so much tag stuff. It had uh, it had more singles matches going on. So that had um, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney against the FBI um, and Danny Doring and Roadkill. Mm-hmm. Jerry versus Super Crazy. That should be good. Uh, Sid Vicious versus John Cronus. That was Sid's that... first appearance in ECW, and he looked like a nightmare. He was late to that show, too, I think. Probably, but my God. You, you know, Cronus just kind of comes out there, and he sits in the ring, and Jones starts yelling at him. He says, and Jones is he's not being a, a referee anymore. He's being Judge John Jones. He says... I sent you to being guilty as charged, and here is your sentence. And that's when Sid shows up. And Sid comes walking out, and he just he looks terrifying. That is the scariest I've ever seen Sid look. He got a pop, too. Oh, yeah. People were so excited to see him powerbomb John Cronus. Yeah. Let's see. Dudley Boys against New Jack and Spike Dudley. Rob Van Dam versus Lance Storm. That was just good. incredible, and Tommy Dreamer obviously, and Taz and Shane Douglas. That's now, actually a decent card. The the Dreamer, um, the uh, the Dreamer credible was the Stairway to Hell match. Yeah. Where the match couldn't end until someone climbed the ladder and got a kendo stick down, and then you could pin someone. Yeah. As gimmicks go, uh, I mean that's a little bit overcomplicated, but it's not awful. No. So it was that was that was a fun show to watch. That was a fun show to watch. Well, guys, is there anything else we uh, we wanted to say? This looks like it wasn't well received either. (laughs) Okay. damn. It it was I didn't say it was good. I said it was fun. I was about to say I was about to suggest we try that one. I'm just like, no, I don't want to. Not we want our the next ECW thing we do. We want it to be a something we could recommend. But um, well, guys, was there anything else you, you wanted to say about uh, this November to remember? Or it's a November. I hope I don't remember. Yeah, Matt. Anything you wanted to add on? I would uh, I would concur with that. I'm going to just move past the show. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, everybody, thank you all for joining us. This has been uh, another episode of the Four Corners Podcast. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Do you think we're wrong about this show? Do you think we're, we're wrong on what we think of ECW? Or do you agree with us? Post us, tweet us, direct message us, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. Thanks for joining us.